0: And these are the first two fatal cases of acute liver failure reported for Zolgensma.
1: That's Angus Liu, a staff writer here at Fierce Pharma. Later, we'll hear more from him about Novartis's gene therapy, Zolgensma, and the two deaths following the treatment. I'm Teresa Carey, and this is The Top Line from Fierce Biotech, Fierce Medtech, and Fierce Pharma. This episode is brought to you by Zymo Research. Today is Friday, August 19th, and I have a few exciting announcements. So stick with us. After the announcements, we've got all the biopharma and medtech industry news you need. Okay, so each year, we spotlight women who are leading the way in life sciences. Women are making their mark all over biotech, pharma, and medtech, and we want to know about them. So we invite you to share your nominations at FiercePharma.com. We're looking for women who are making a lasting impact in the industry. Submit your nominations before midnight on Friday, August 26th for consideration for our list of 2022's Fiercest Women in Life Sciences. And my other announcement, cue the drum roll. We are launching another podcast. Our team at Fierce Healthcare is excited to bring you, every Wednesday, in-depth discussions from industry thought leaders and innovative people who are pushing boundaries in the healthcare industry. So mark your calendar, set a reminder in your phone, and come September 7th, hit follow for Podnosis, the pulse of the healthcare industry. And now here's this week's news. Wednesday, the FDA approved Zinteglo, a blood disorder gene therapy treatment from Bluebird Bio. The FDA Nod clears Zinteglo to treat kids and adults who are dependent on transfusions. And Bluebird Bio is prepping to launch Zinteglo in the U.S. Fierce's Fraser kansteiner spoke with Thomas Kilma, Bluebird Bio's chief commercial officer. Kilma said that the company hopes to be able to start treating patients early next year. Zinteglo is a one-time bespoke treatment. Each dose is made by genetically modifying a patient's own bone marrow stem cells. The drug won't come cheap, however. It will have a staggering $2.8 million list price. Kilma says that the company feels that the cost reflects the value of a potential one-time treatment. U.S. insurers are no doubt taking notice of the high price. In launching the drug in the U.S., Bluebird will have to do what it couldn't in Europe. Convince payers of Zinteglo's value. Kilma said that Bluebird is already wrapping up access discussions with insurers, which may include a rebate if Cinteglo doesn't help patients. After years of urging from the government and the public, the FDA will now allow certain hearing aids to be sold over-the-counter directly to consumers. As Andrea Park reports, the new rule has drawn widespread support from the government, consumers, and device makers— because of its focus on making hearing aids more affordable and easily accessible. According to the FDA, as many as 30 million American adults could benefit from hearing aids, but only about 20% are currently using them. Congress first passed legislation in 2017, asking the FDA to carve a pathway to bring over-the-counter hearing aids to the market. But the agency didn't draft the rule until last year. And Wednesday, they published the finalized rule. It will take effect in two months. Devices for users who are under the age of 18 or who have severe hearing loss will still require a doctor's order. The FDA noted in a press release that consumers could begin buying the devices as soon as mid-October. No pharma company wants to see half its late-stage cancer pipeline wiped out in one morning. But on Wednesday, that was Sanofi's situation. As James Waldron reports, Sanofi released a press release announcing that the company had halted development of an oral SERD, which stands for Selective Estrogen Receptor Degrader. SERDs are a type of hormone therapy, and Sanofi's SERD was called Amcenistrant. Sanofi stopped development after getting a look at a phase three interim analysis. When the markets opened on Wednesday, Sanofi's shares dropped nearly 6% likely reflecting the fact that Sanofi couldn't show rant worked. 6% is a hefty drop for such a big pharma. Now, after dropping the oral CERD, Sanofi has just one new oncology asset in its phase 3 pipeline, an antibody drug conjugate, which is being studied in non-small cell lung cancer. For nearly a decade, Johnson & Johnson has been in court defending against claims that its iconic baby powder causes cancer. Kevin Dunlevy reports that now, after paying $3.5 billion in settlements, the company will finally stop selling the product, which has been around for more than a century. Two years ago, amid mounting criticism and declining sales, the company removed the baby powder from shelves in the United States and Canada. Now it will do the same worldwide, opting for a cornstarch version of the product instead of talcum. Through it all, the company has maintained its product is safe. And Johnson & Johnson did it again last week. The company released a statement that said it was a commercial decision. Johnson & Johnson has had its share of baby powder litigation wins, but other courts have sided with plaintiffs who claim that it caused their ovarian cancer. With the roster of plaintiffs still growing, Johnson & Johnson is trying to use a bankruptcy ploy to potentially save billions in litigation and settlement expenses. If that fails, the company will have to answer for more than 40,000 outstanding claims. Lee O'Dell, a lawyer for former J&J users, said the halt in sales was overdue. In a statement emailed to Fierce Pharma, he said, after decades of selling talc based products, the company knew could cause deadly cancers to unsuspecting women and men around the world, J&J has finally done the right thing. Adding that, The delay in taking this step is inexcusable. Novartis has recorded two deaths after treatment with its genetic therapy, Zolgensma. The treatment is for spinal muscular atrophy. Two children in Russia and Kazakhstan died about five to six weeks after receiving Zolgensma. Novartis confirmed this to Fierce Pharma. Both patients died of acute liver failure, a known side effect of Zolgensma. We're about to take a short break to hear from our sponsor. But after that, Eric Saganowski and Angus Liu will discuss these deaths and the gene therapy's safety. Zymo Research is a world leader in sample collection.
2: SafeCollect sample collection kits are designed for at-home sample collection with no cold shipping or expedited shipping required. Samples stay stable at ambient temperature for up to 30 days, and samples are safe to transport with DNA, RNA shield, and activating pathogens, including COVID-19 and monkeypox. I received a series of sample collection kits from Zymo Research, and we tested them out with my family. Both the oral swab and saliva collection methods were very easy to use. I have two young kids, and I can confirm that it is not easy to do proper nasal swabs on children under five. While the saliva collection took a little while to complete, it was very effective with my five-year-old. He even had fun doing it. And my two-year-old did great with the oral swab. It's highly preferred over the traditional nasal swabs. The sample instructions were clear, the collection method was easy, and I was comforted knowing that any pathogens would be deactivated once they enter the test collection kit. If you'd like to learn more about SafeCollect sample collection kits, go to zymoresearch.com. That's research.com.
3: Last week, we learned about two deaths in young children who had received Novartis gene therapy Zolgensma for their spinal muscular atrophy. What do we know about these cases?
0: Uh, You're right, Eric. Uh, Novartis reported two deaths following treatment with Zolgensma. Uh, one in Russia and the other in Kazakhstan. Uh, The children died of acute liver failure about five to six weeks after getting the one-time treatment and about one to 10 days following the start of corticosteroid taper as a way to resolve liver dysfunctions. But obviously that didn't help in the two cases here. Uh, Remember, steroids uh, are used in conjunction with uh, AAV-based gene therapy like Zochenspa, to reduce
3: unwanted immune responses that's unfortunate and it sounds like these are really serious problems is this a common issue with zolgensma yeah um
0: acute liver failure is a known side effect following treatment uh, treatment with zolgensma uh, actually the drugs u.s prescribing information includes a boxed warning about that risk i mean the fda uses black box warnings to communicate serious safety risks related to medications, and compared with the regular uh, side effects information, uh, these box warnings are the highest safety-related warning for a drug. Um, But despite it being acute liver failure being a known side effect, these are the first two fatal cases of acute liver failure reported for Zolgensma, uh, according to Novartis.
3: It's also important to note that other gene therapies have seen liver toxicities uh, Notably, Astellas reported several deaths from a clinical trial that tested an investigational gene therapy for a rare neuromuscular disease. One was a patient who got a lower dose of the therapy. So it appears liver toxicity is a real concern for this class of medicines.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, so most uh, systematic, uh, systemically-tosed uh, gene therapies, like Zodranspa use AAVs, uh, these adeno-associated viruses, as vectors to deliver the therapeutic genes. And liver cells are kind of the main target of these viral vectors. Uh, the FDA actually held a two-day advisory committee meeting last year to discuss safety issues with gene therapies, and liver toxicity was one of the topics. So at that time, uh, Zogensma, the FDA noted that the Zogensma had treated about 500 patients at that time, last year this was, and the FDA noted about one-third of the patients had experienced a liver-related adverse events, and in most cases... Uh, I'm talking about gene therapy in general. In most case, cases, these liver toxicities only show up as transient increases in liver enzymes. But obviously, liver toxicity can also be fatal, as we've just learned from uh, that asles candidate and Zolgensma.
3: So what is Novartis saying after these two fatal cases?
0: Yeah, so Novartis said these two deaths um, come from more than uh, 2,300 patients who have already got Zolgenspa worldwide. Uh, It will ask drug regulators, including the FDA, to update Zolgenspa's label to specify that death, uh, I mean, fatal acute labor failure has been reported. Uh, but it also said it will. It is still believed in the overall favorable risk-benefit profile of
3: Zolgensma. And is it possible that these deaths could deter doctors and patients from using Zolgensma?
0: Well, it's hard to say at this point. Uh, the therapy is indeed very effective, and it's just a one-time treatment, is one infusion, whereas you have biogen Spinraza, it requires chronic treatment. So. I think we'll have to see if there are more uh, similar cases uh, and if Novartis can learn more from these two cases to help doctors uh, manage acute liver failure in some at-risk patients. I think that would also be helpful.
1: And we have more news. In early July, GSK nabbed two new executives from their rival AstraZeneca, as Fraser kansteiner reports, AstraZeneca's Vice President of Investor Relations, Chris Sheldon, left to join GSK. His new role will be as the head of the company's commercial portfolio. And another person has also left AstraZeneca. It was Garrett Rayson. He was in charge of oncology search and development, business development, and licensing at AstraZeneca. Next, he will be in a similar role as GSK's new Vice President of Cancer Search and Evaluation. Now AstraZeneca is suing to enforce and extend a non-compete agreement Sheldon signed in 2021. Bloomberg reported that with this move, AstraZeneca seeks to block Sheldon from sharing key therapeutic information with GSK. Kathleen Quinn, a spokesperson for GSK, declined to comment on the litigation, but she confirmed in an email to Fierce Pharma that GSK had hired Sheldon. His role at the company begins in September. During his time at AstraZeneca, Sheldon had access to a host of confidential information, AstraZeneca said in a legal filing. But the non-compete clause Sheldon signed in 2021 bars him from facilitating competition in respiratory, oncology, and COVID-19-related therapy work for six months after leaving AstraZeneca. As Andrea Park reports, a year ago, Philips began a massive recall that includes around 5.5 million respiratory devices around the world. And now, while Philips scrambles to repair or replace all affected devices, competitor ResMed has stepped in to fill the void. It's offered up its own CPAP machine to draw new customers and meet demand. That move has paid off for its fiscal year 2022, which ended June 30th, ResMed reported revenues that are 12% higher than last year's total. Last week, ResMed CFO, Brett Sandercock, said during a call with investors that of the year's earnings, between $230 and $250 million, were directly related to the Philips recall. And the company is expecting that success to continue over the next year too. In its own recent earnings report, Philips said that it won't be done repairing and replacing all of the recall devices until early 2023, and that its earnings won't fully recover until 2025. In the investor call last week, ResMed CEO McFarrell predicted that the heightened demand for ResMed CPAP machines will continue for at least another 12 months. He said that, The compass is pointing to true north, and we are on top of it. Orna Therapeutics is in the money. The company develops fully engineered circular RNA therapies, or also called ORNA therapies. And as Nick Paul Taylor reports, on Tuesday morning, Orna Therapeutics revealed a double dose of good news. First, Merck is committing up to $3.5 billion in milestones to work with Orna. Their plan is to advance programs, including ORNA vaccines and therapeutics against infectious diseases and cancers. And also, Merck is pumping $100 million into Orna's Series B round. Orna's founding investors, MPM Capital and BioImpact Capital, and other backers have provided a further $121 million. With this financial backing, the company hopes to create a cheaper and safer alternative to CAR-T cell therapies. Rather than administer a cell therapy to a patient, Orna wants to deliver RNA that ultimately enables the recipient's own cells to make the drug. The approach could behave like a conventional drug while eliminating some of the issues with cell therapy. <laughs> AstraZeneca and Daiichi Senkyo's drug called Inhertu scored a second key FDA approval in quick succession. As Zoe Becker reports, last Friday the FDA awarded Inhertu an accelerated approval for non small cell lung cancer patients. These are patients with a mutated form of the HER2 gene. The regulatory decision marks the first drug specifically approved for this type of cancer. The approval was based on a trial studying patients with this type of lung cancer. Over half of them responded to the therapy. The win came a week after NHER2's groundbreaking approval in a new category of breast cancer. In fact, the FDA approved the drug for HER2 low metastatic breast cancer four weeks ahead of schedule. Before this NHER2 approval, HER2 low patients were simply grouped into HER2 negative category and they weren't able to use HER-directed therapies like the drug in (music) HER2. AstraZeneca may be a major oncology player, but the company has been noticeably absent lately during the first wave of CAR-T therapies. But all that may be about to change because AstraZeneca is working on the next generation of these cancer therapies, Our very own James Waldron spoke with Dave Fredrickson from AstraZeneca's Oncology Business Unit. We'll hear what he found out after a word from our sponsor. Zymo Research is a world leader
2: in sample collection. SafeCollect sample collection kits are designed for at home sample collection with no cold shipping or expedited shipping required samples stay stable at ambient temperature for up to 30 days, and samples are safe to transport with DNA, RNA shield, and activating pathogens, including COVID-19 and monkeypox. SafeClock sample kits can be used to detect a number of pathogens, including but not limited to SARS-CoV-2, dengue virus, virus, influenza A, rhinovirus, MERS coronavirus, West Nile virus, as well as a number of bacteria and yeast and eukaryotes. From NASA to Nobel Prize winners, those who rely on safe, simple, reliable sample collection use Zymo Research products. To learn more about Safe Collect Sample Collection Kits, go to ZymoResearch.com. That's Z Y M O Research.com.
4: Like many, we are focused in on really two key things. Um, Can we really unlock science to be able to bring Um, cell therapy to solid tumors above and beyond what's already been able to be done. Um, We're not unique in that uh, objective. Um, And also, can we have off-the-shelf versus autologous uh,
5: solutions? That's Dave Fredrickson, Executive Vice President of AstraZeneca's Oncology Business Unit. After AstraZeneca published its earnings for the second quarter, I caught up with him to find out where AstraZeneca's cancer business goes next. It turns out that behind the scenes, AstraZeneca has been making some pretty interesting moves, most notably working out if it can develop its own CAR T treatments. Unlike other big farmers, like Bristol Myers Squibb and Novartis, AstraZeneca has been notably absent from the CAR T game so far. But Fredrickson said that AstraZeneca is working on so called off the shelf CAR Ts. All five of the CAR Ts that have so far been approved by the FDA are based on donations of a patient's own cells, but off the shelf CAR Ts, use engineered cells collected from a third party. We're looking for
4: opportunities to really, how do we uh, move from ontologous to more off the shelf non-bespoke uh, versions where we don't have to take right, your uh, cells and then put them back into you. We've actually got the ability to be able to off-the-shelf utilize something and then can we bring it into a solid tumor space. When it comes to
5: off-the-shelf cell therapies, Fredrickson tells me that AstraZeneca's work is still in preclinical stages. But the company has been quietly building up the expertise needed to take
4: this research forward. This is absolutely a space that we're looking into and, and, and more than looking into. We're invested and we are, uh, we are actively
5: working on it. So is AstraZeneca looking for some high-value acquisitions to help make those new CAR-T ambitions a reality? Fredrickson didn't rule out the possibility of looking further afield, but the priority is definitely to work on these cell therapies themselves.
4: Barb's cell therapy work is really work that we've invested in to build organically uh, within AstraZeneca. We've got our uh, all-R&D that we're really enthusiastic about, but we're always looking outside to make sure that we're not missing a trick. As with
5: many of its big pharma peers, off-the-shelf CAR-T therapies are clearly getting people enthused at AstraZeneca. But when I asked Fredrickson which cancer project he's most excited by at the moment, he referred to AstraZeneca's work on antibody drug conjugates. These drugs, known as ADCs, deliver extremely effective chemotherapeutic chemical agents to cancer cells with the potential to lessen harm to healthy cells. The company recently scored a landmark clinical trial win in breast cancer for its approved therapy in HER2, which they hope will open up a brand new breast cancer category for the medicine, giving more
4: patients access to the therapy. This has the opportunity to be one of the most significant medicines uh, in oncology. Um, And it really is delivering what has been an unfulfilled promise of antibody drug conjugates to date. InHer2 was developed
5: in collaboration with Daichi Sankyo. Another antibody drug conjugate co-developed with Daichi is called DS1062. It targets the glycoprotein TROP2 and is currently in a late-stage study for non-small cell lung cancer. The aim of the study is to show it's more effective than treating the cancer with chemotherapy.
4: Anything that we can do to displace systemic chemotherapy something more efficacious gets me enthusiastic.
5: AstraZeneca has also been working on a batch of antibody drug conjugates in-house. I noticed that AstraZeneca had highlighted one of these homegrown drugs in a presentation in the spring. Called AZD8205, The drug is in an early stage study for a range of cancers, including breast, ovarian and
4: endometrial. We are also rapidly developing and advancing our own antibody drug conjugate portfolio. And we're really pleased to say that we've got now uh, several uh, that are in phase one. And we think that we've got uh, very, very uh, competitive uh, linker and warhead technologies um, that we're working on there.
5: Whether it's moving into CAR-T therapies or building out its homegrown antibody drug conjugate portfolio, there are big moves ahead for AstraZeneca's cancer unit. Underpinning it all is a desire to expand the range of cancers that AstraZeneca is focused on. The company is best known for lung, breast and ovarian cancer. But according to Fredrickson, their focus has expanded to six major tumour types. It means that AstraZeneca has plenty of ideas of how to take their
4: oncology franchise forward. As you look at the progress and the speed with which we built this organization from the very first launch of the new oncology in 2014, uh, I think we've got the opportunity to continue to have industry-leading growth going forward.
1: That's it for The Top Line. I'm senior producer Teresa Carey. Our sound engineer is Caleb Hodgson. You can find out more about these topics in our show notes at fiercepharma.com. Look for podcasts. Don't forget to follow The Top Line on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen. And that's The Bottom Line from The Top Line.